You know, as Jeremiah and I's task this weekend, uh, I told him, I said, well, for part of our study here this weekend, why don't we do this? Let's go into those scriptures that we laid out in the fellowship of the last week or two, and let's begin to draw the uh, connections, uh, draw the connections back to the to the New Testament scriptures. And uh, as so often is the case, when you begin to study in the Word and you begin to look at one thing and you are actually looking to see what else it's related to or where else it takes you or where else it's coming from and so forth, I tell you, you can find yourself in an hour to an hour and a half or more before you realize that you still are in the same place that you started. And uh, that seems to be uh, what happened to us. We took that very first scripture, which was Acts 1, specifically 1 through 6, but more specifically verse 6, and began to open the door into where that took us into the Old Testament. And um, before we knew it, um, Jeremiah's footnotes in the New American Standard did not match my footnotes in this simple little Bible called, uh, uh, or rather from, um, I've got a Holman, Holman Bible Publishers is, is the is the printers of this Bible, and it was copyrighted in twelve and thirteen, and that's about the time when I needed to make and get a new Bible because my other one was getting destroyed, and I'm sad to say this one is already getting destroyed. Um, I like a Bible that's not large and bulky. I like something that's easy to carry and portable in, in that sense and I don't have to, you know, use up an entire pocket for a Bible and uh, so I ch- tend to try to look for something that's, uh, you know, fits that desire. But anyhow, notwithstanding, it's starting to have binder issues and so forth and I sure wasn't expecting that I was going to need a new Bible in another five years or seven years from when I started with this one. But um, anyhow, uh, so the footnotes weren't matching up. Jeremiah had different ones in the New American Standard that I had. And it seemed like every time we turned around and we're looking at footnotes, the footnotes in the New American Standard didn't make any sense whatsoever other than just the general references or general footnotes within the context of where we were already studying or what whatnot. And very little did they ever take us to anything outside of, you know, the confine of the scripture that we were immediately in. And so I have a caveat to to give. I instructed everybody last week or a couple weeks ago, if you've got a Bible and it does not have footnotes, um, you should put that one on the shelf and get you one that does. And so now I have to clarify that you need to get you one that does it actually takes you somewhere. <laughs> and so 
So how am I supposed to answer that question for you now and tell you which Bible you're supposed to get? And, uh, you know, that kind of a thing. Uh, so um, anyhow, uh, I, so I would say that um, I don't know that I have an answer to that, but I do like my Holmans, and I do like the footnotes that I have found in this Holmans. And prior to that, I only had a King James, and I didn't have anything that had any cross-reference footnotes and so forth. Now, I know Rich um, and Nancy, his wife, they often use a um, cross-reference or, or rather a chain-reference Bible. I think Nancy uses that quite a little. And good evening, Rich. Good evening. And we have got somebody on the chat, and uh, I'm not sure the nature of your question. You're talking about the Geneva Bible and, and the nature of your question, who is Edom. That's, that's not what we're, what we're working on. But, yes, we're aware of the Septuagint. We're aware of the Geneva. Um, a lot of the Geneva footnotes... Um, uh, as I recall, I'd have to look at that, and I could probably pull that just to see how that squared with uh, some of the footnotes that I have in here. Jeremiah, if you want to grab that Geneva, you could. That's that uh, black. Uh, I've got the Patriot edition over there on the library shelf. But um, okay. anyhow, it might be might be worth just double-checking to see what footnotes are in that. We didn't think about it this weekend, or at least I didn't. Um, Yes, the Septuagint is a, is a very good translation. Um, and uh, the reason that we often find ourselves in the King James is because so much is keyed to it, such as Strong's and many of the other reference uh, materials are, are keyed to the King James because it was the predominant Bible in use, at least in the North American continent. So um, I still use it. I find it to be a, 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 a fine um, translation. So as far as our topic and what we're talking about, a couple things I guess I'll do with some housekeeping quick. I do want to remind people we do have a couple of emails. That's the Gideon Elite at ProtonMail.com and Repent or Perish at ProtonMail.com. You feel free to email us uh, and bring up a topic if you want that you'd like to bring under study. And uh, our online participant has asked what topic we were talking about. Well, what we did in the last several weeks, something came up, and it, it, it brought to my mind that even in our study, our fellowship study of, of um, Israel, Judah, and Jew, um, we, there were some other New Testament scriptures that I began to think about and thought that really what we also need to do is a continuation of that study, which is going to touch on uh, information as it pertains to the New Testament um, and the the church world and the church world um, having a discussion um, or rather a theology that they've built around the idea that Israel went out of existence, no longer exists, and there's nothing but uh, um, a spiritual Israel. And so that's a New Testament deception. And 
it came to my mind that what we should do is further that and get into some of the additional information in the New Testament that clearly identifies and shows um, that not only are we still dealing with what the Bible dealt with throughout the entire record, and that is the physical descendants of Jacob Israel, known as the Israelites. And so that's what we're discussing. So since you asked the question, uh, um, one of the participants online, uh, that's what we're going to discuss. And so we took out a number of scriptures over the last two weeks, and right now the first thing we were going to do was go back through those scriptures that we brought forward and look at the Old Testament connections to them and just ask ourselves, is this New Testament church uh, doctrine that there is no Israel anymore, God is no longer dealing with Israel, that he's talking and dealing specifically with a spiritual Israel uh, that we become when we are baptized for the remission of sins and when we accept Christ as our personal Savior or um, believe on Jesus as so many of the the terms and terminology uh, we've heard from the church world over the over the years so I thought it would be something that we could do that would help each of us to be stronger in this area and actually be able to answer those questions last week Esther raised a question about some people that he'd been associating with that, you know, basically the it, it is one of the most common that we hear when we talk about Israel's biblical identity throughout the Bible. We often hear people just say, well, what difference does it make? You know, there's neither Jew nor Greek, bond or free. They seem to always know those that particular scripture and a couple of others. And if we believe on Jesus, then, then we're wanting his, you know, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. And so what that does is it tends to shut down any further discussion about it and any further understanding, frankly, about it. And so, um, you know, I think that in answering those questions, we can get better at trying to help each other to uh, be able to refute those kind of comebacks. And as I said to Esther last week, I said, I believe that one of the first things when somebody says that, well, it seemed to be important to God, and it actually seemed to be important to Christ. And so if it was important to the Redeemer of Israel, which was God in the flesh, and obviously who was important to God, who named him Israel, uh, then it certainly seems uh, uh, important uh, in in their eyes, and so not to let people just get by with casting it off so cavalierly, because that's what the church world has taught them, and that's what the church world has done. So um, that's what I've attempted to do, and um, thought that this would give us uh, some, some additional ammunition and, you know, ways to fight back with this kind of, you know, spiritual nonsense, if you will. And I call it spiritual nonsense because, you know, they have created it. And um, you know, it, it, we need to uh, be able to, you know, to come back and have answers for these things. And sometimes it's not easy 
because we, you know, we're all learning and we're all studying and we try to have the proper responses and somebody younger like Esser, uh, you know, clearly wants to be sure that, you know, he speaks appropriately and he's very confident in what he does talk about. I mean, one of the things he said was, it seems to me if we're all Christians, you know, he was getting information that they would convey to him that, you know, it doesn't matter, this doesn't matter, that doesn't matter. The Bible's kind of a guidebook. It's not, you know, all of these things that we've all heard from from many of our own uh, associations with the general people at large in the church world. And so he's answering it because he's had a good foundation. And from that foundation, we just got to keep strengthening in it. Um, so, um, no, uh, the participant that's, that's chatting, um, I don't have time to chat and just, you know, answer chat questions and so forth. Um, I don't believe in Judeo-Christianity. And so, uh, if you've been listening to this, uh, talk show, uh, Gideon Warrior, uh, Network, then you ought to have an answer to that. So um, uh, I would just like to suggest that you just listen in, and and if it's too slow for you or it's not good for you, um, you know, all I can do is apologize. Um, But I won't apologize for the message. I won't apologize for the information that's going to be in it. Just apologize that it's not good enough for you. So with that being said, I'm just going to kind of move forward then with... uh, with what I was going to try to bring to the table, if anybody else has any thoughts or anything they want to chime in with, uh, what the one of the scriptures that we had laid out in the last couple of weeks was Acts chapter one, and uh, the reason I brought this particular scripture out was because of what's specifically stated in verse six, when Christ is. Uh, Uh, as Luke relays this in the Acts of the Apostles, um, we're being told that he's telling uh, telling Theophilus about the general, you know, he's he's laying out a letter, if you will, to him. And he says at four, he says, and being assembled together with them, he or them commanded them that they should not depart from Jerusalem, that the he here, of course, is Christ. But wait for the promise of the Father, which, said he, you have heard of me. For John truly baptized with water, but you shall be baptized with the Holy Ghost not many days hence. So um, when they therefore were come together, they asked of him, saying, Lord, wilt thou at this time restore again the kingdom to Israel? Now, I find that significant because what Luke is conveying here in the book of Acts is that they had an understanding. They had a belief, if you will. They had something in their mind, an expectation even, if you will. And the expectation was a restoration again to the kingdom of Israel, of the kingdom to Israel. And so... If we're going to take on this moniker of the church world that says, you know, there is no longer, you know, the Israel of God, the Israel of God is those who believe. The Israel of God is the church. You know, okay, um, then what you've done is you've basically implied 
that these people who asked Christ this question, is it at this time that you are going to restore again the kingdom of Israel? Obviously, they were too stupid and did not understand that, hey, it was going to be a spiritual Israel. There wasn't going to be any restoration to Israel as a flesh and blood people of God. It was going to be different. But notice what is attributed to Christ as having said. He says unto them, he doesn't say, no, 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 you, you misunderstand. You know, there's not going to be any restoration to Israel. You all are going to be Israelites. Anybody who believes on me is going to be an Israelite. There's no replacement theology that's being expressed in the answer. The answer, he says, is not for you to know the times or the seasons which the Father has put under his power. But he did not say that he was not, or excuse me, he did not say there is no longer an Israel. And so hopefully this will be a scripture that people will be able to, you know, use to answer that. And what I had done was said that in these scriptures, which I had Acts 1, 1 through 6, and in those scriptures, there's a number of particular references that are that we have on on footnotes, or at least that I do in this Holman's trans uh, in this Holman's um, copyright uh, Bible, King James Bible. And one of the references on this particular scripture is um, Isaiah chapter one uh, twenty six. And, uh, let's see, where did I write that? Um, uh, Daniel 7.27, just make sure I've got this correct here. For some reason, I'm questioning my notes right now. Um, it refers to, oh, okay, that's what it was. It refers to, I have a footnote for chapter 2, verse 7, and chapter 13.31. Okay, so when we go to chapter 2, verse 7, and we read what was there, they were all amazed and marveled, saying to one another, Behold, uh, are all not all these which speak Galileans? Okay, and then there's more footnotes. And so, in other words, what I'm trying to convey is you keep getting drawn in deeper and deeper and deeper and deeper. And as you do so, you find that there's a whole bunch of different things that there are to learn in relationship to this scripture and what's being said. Now, in the New American Standard, Matt, uh, 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 Jeremiah conveyed that Matthew 17:11 was there and Mark 9:12, and and I had Luke 17:20 and. Uh, or rather, no, uh, these were all the New American Standards, Luke 17.20 and 19.11. So those were the cross-references in the New American Standard, and yet I had different cross-references, um, and it, it drew me in deeper and deeper. So the important thing on 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 that verse, chapter 6, uh, verse 6 also, is that the word restore 
And that's where I have another footnote, and that restore is number 600. And it's not a complicated word. It simply means um, in, in this particular passage, it has restore again. And the, so the Strong's number is 600. And under that, it shows that it's used seven times as restore and restore again one time. So this would be the single time that was used, used as restore again. Simply means to restore to its former state to be in its former state. So Christ did not say that it was not going to be in its former state, nor did he say that it wasn't going to be restored to a former state. He didn't say that at all in his response. In other words, it's just like the parent-child relationship where the parent doesn't necessarily answer specifically the question. However, something that is said is relevant. And the relevancy here that Christ speaks is that the times and the seasons are not for them to worry about. But what is not said is he did not tell them you didn't understand or that they are, there was not going to be a physical Israel. There was not going to be. So what they believed in their mind and what they saw, what they envisioned and, and everything that they had learned and heard from before was that there was going to be some restoration. But then when we go to... Uh, Luke 17.20, which was in the New American Standard, you'll see that in 17.20, it says, uh, Luke 17.20, and when he was demanded of the Pharisees when the kingdom of God should come, he answered them and said, the kingdom of God comes not with observation." So, if it, so what we find here as a New American Standard reference on that particular scripture brings us to Luke 17.20 where he says, you know, when, they, when the Pharisees were asking him, they wanted signs and everything else. <clears throat> and so Christ simply tells them, the kingdom of God comes not with observation. Verse 21, neither shall they say, lo here or lo there, for behold, the kingdom of God is within you. <clears throat> now, there's some question by many people about whether it should be is among you instead of within you, and uh, I think one of the other Gospels or two have a different word usage there than, than that. But the important part here is, is that Christ is saying the kingdom of God is not the way you expect it. The kingdom of God is not what you seem to think it is. It's not something you're going to look and say, oh, lo, there it is over there. Or you're going to look here and say, oh, here it is over here. That's exactly what he's saying. And so that should also help the, us to understand verse 6 of Acts is that to restore the kingdom to Israel is not something that you necessarily see by observation. And I would add, and this is my addition, I would add, he doesn't say, oh, look, it's in the church over there, or it's in the church over here. So I think that's important, and uh, I find that the footnote was not completely out of line in the New American Standard there at 1720, 
Um, and also, they thought it was going to immediately appear, obviously, if uh, I think New American Standard cross-referenced 1911 of Luke, and it says, and they heard these things, they added and spake a parable because he was nigh to Jerusalem, because they thought, because they thought that the kingdom of God should immediately appear. So now we've got a witness to the fact of what they actually believed and what they actually thought in their mind, even though he'd already spoke amongst crowds and so forth that many should have heard in the Gospel of Luke, as we just referenced, we find that he reiterates, again, this is after his ascension. Luke is just recording the information and in the book of Acts here for Theophilus. And Theophilus was obviously all that is known about Theophilus. The, it just says that he was probably a Roman because he uh, is addressed to, addresses him as um, uh, uh, in one of the, uh, I think maybe in the Gospel of Luke, he addresses him with a title of his majesty or what was the title, Jeremiah, do you remember? Um, anyhow, I don't remember offhand. But anyhow, he addresses them with a, with a salutation of someone who would have importance or rank. And that's all that it really says um, about this Theophilus. And so he would have been somebody who was in rank in Rome, and that's about all we know about that information that he was writing this epistle or the epistle of the Acts of the Apostles to Theophilus <clears throat> to basically let him know what was going on. Now, obviously, Theophilus was a, a believer, certainly. <clears throat> Anyhow, <clears throat> so that was a couple of scriptures. Okay, Doug, well, that doesn't actually take us back to the Old Testament. You're right. It doesn't take us back to the Old Testament because what I said is that in all of these scriptures, we find that we get cross-referenced if we look at those scriptures, we'll wind up being cross-referenced back to the Old Testament. And there is our proof that we should be able to glean and convey to others that it has to do with the same people because there would be no reason for us to be drawn back to the Old Testament scriptures with regards to them. As I said, um, in Isaiah chapter, I also was cross-referenced to um, chapter 244, which I said, Acts 244, and then Luke 133. Well, we all know what, you know, basically Luke chapter 1 is all about, and Luke 133, very important, says, he shall be great, shall be called the Son of the Highest, and the Lord God shall give unto him the throne of his father David. Well, if he's given the throne unto him of, of, of David, then this, again, brings us back to those Old Testament people and certainly to the house of David. And if David was a Judahite, he didn't give it to the modern-day Jews. He gave it to those who were of the tribe of Judah and specifically um, him being a descendant 
of the tribe of Israel or of the house of Israel, him being a descendant of Israel, I should say, not not specific. He was of the house of, of Judah. So let me just clarify that. So right there, we're again drawn back to somebody who's from the Old Testament, David, and the other uh, scriptures that I have cross-referenced to on this particular Acts chapter 1 was um, John 12, 34, Isaiah 60, 12. So, okay, John is not a, an Old Testament, so let's go see what Isaiah 60, verse 12 talks about. So I went to Isaiah chapter 60, and of course, I was kind of going through this before in a previous study, and so I had some of these notes already here, but Jeremiah and I kind of went through it um, just to prepare for tonight. And so in 60 verse 12, it says, uh, for context, um, it actually talks about the nations, and this would be the, the, the nations of Israel um, being drawn to the light, of Christ, uh, and so forth. And in 60.12, specifically, it says, For the nation and kingdom that will not serve thee shall perish. Yea, those nations shall utterly be wasted. And, of course, that's exactly what happened. Those, that generation, and the nation and kingdom that will not serve thee. What did Christ tell those scribes and Pharisees and so forth? that nation and that kingdom, those people who sat in Moses' seat, what did he tell them? That they would surely perish. And they did in the destruction of Jerusalem. Those who did not leave, did not get out, did not heed the warning, did not heed the prophet and uh, uh, Messiah's call to repent, to get out and uh, so forth, they perished. So that's the cross-reference that we have from this Acts 1, 1 to 6 is back to the Old Testament telling us of the prophecy in Isaiah 60, verse 12. <clears throat> and why? Because of the kingdom. Because the mention in chapter 6 of Acts 1 where they were asked, if he was going to restore again the kingdom to Israel. So, they're connected. You, we can't, just because it became a popular tradition in the church, to treat it as if Israel no longer exists, when references are being made to the specific incidences and the specific peoples flesh and blood peoples, not a spiritualized uh, nation of Israel or spiritualized, you know, uh, nation of Gentiles or whatever. So that's just one area just in Acts 1, 1 to 6. But then, not only that, is that um, I was cross-referenced to um, uh, let's see. Uh, oh, let's see. Um, 
Oh, I was cross-referenced to chapter or verse 14 of 2 and 22, I think it was. Um, Gosh, I don't think I wrote my notes down on that. I apologize. I'm not sure if I'm supposed to... Verse 18 crosses to verses 22 and 7. I don't think I left myself another piece of information here that I needed. I left myself a note about going back to verse 14 and 18 and 22, but I did not leave the note as to where I was cross-referenced to go back to 14. Do you recall that, Jeremiah? I don't remember which scripture we were in. Let's see. What was it again? Well, I have a note here that says, footnote, back to verse 14, and then 18 and 22, and I remember reading them, but I'm not sure if that was in... Chapter 2, that doesn't seem to be, um, and then 22, it doesn't seem that... Oh, um, the, I can't remember, remember what, that, what um, book that was in. Yeah, Where, I was crossed back. Yeah, we uh, went... Got to leave. You didn't put the book that it was in? Uh, apparently not. And I'm looking at Isaiah 60 here just quick to see if it was 14 and 60. But that didn't really ring a bell to me. We cross-reference to something. And then that verse had cross-references to 18 and the other one. Um, okay, well, well, we're missing something there, and I didn't write it down, apparently, so. I think Isaiah's probably right, though. I don't know. I'm in Isaiah chapter 60 yet, and I'm looking at 14, and that does not seem, it doesn't even seem like the right place on the page. Isaiah 60:14 says, The sons also of them that afflicted thee shall come bending unto thee, and they that despise thee shall bow themselves down at the soles of thy feet, and they shall call thee the city of the Lord, the Zion of the Holy One of Israel. That's 14. That was and relating then, to kingdom, wasn't it? Or dominion? The word kingdom? The word kingdom or dominion? Yeah, one of so the I wonder two. If was, I think that's what it referenced to. Well, then, then all I can do, I guess, is go back to Luke 17 and 19 and see if it was there. But that does not seem to be right in my thoughts either. Well, it could be that. Let's see, Luke 19, 11. Because um, if it's 11, then I wouldn't have said go back. So Luke 17, 20... That's a possibility. 1720, go back to 14. Yeah, that, that does not connect it either. And 18 and 22. So I've, uh, 
I've lost track huh. of what I was cross-referenced to. Oh, I think I know what it was, Jeremiah. It was Daniel seven twenty-seven. Yeah, is that that's right? Yeah, that's what it was. So I have a footnote yeah. there also for Daniel seven twenty-seven. And when we go back to Daniel seven and verse twenty-seven. Um, it says, and the kingdom and the dominion and the greatness of the kingdom under the whole heaven shall be given to the people of the saints of the Most High, whose kingdom is an everlasting kingdom, and all dominions shall serve and obey him. Now that's pretty important. If we're being told in the book of Acts, and we're being referred back to an Old Testament prophecy in Daniel, of Daniel 7.27, we need to take note of that. We need to pay attention to that. We need to understand that something specifically is being, you know, uh, you know, is being, um, is being told to us. And it's no small matter. And so, once again, how can it be a spiritual Israel, if you will, that the church world has been teaching for, you know, somewhere on the order of close to 100 years probably, um, it, at least all of our lifetimes, those of us that are alive right now, uh, we certainly know uh, that that's what they've taught. And so 727, it, you know, very specifically is talking about what's going to happen. Now, there again in Daniel 727, there's all sorts of other footnotes and there's all sorts of other things to even unpack with that particular scripture. The kingdom, the dominion, the greatness of the kingdom under the whole heaven shall be given to the people of the saints of the Most High. So now we've got to figure out who the people of the saints of the Most High were. And this is where Jeremiah and I really started to get in deep. And it's like, hey, wait a minute. We've only got one scripture done here. We better stop and we better get back to the task at hand. But it is, it, you know, it, I mean, it's wonderful. It, it's great how the word, you know, keeps drawing us in to the real truth that is to be gleaned. So 727, then go back to verse 14 in this, and he says, and there was given him dominion and glory and a kingdom that all people, nations and languages should serve him. His dominion is an everlasting dominion. Well, yeah, Doug, we all know that Christ, uh, 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 so the guy on the chat has closed out with, good job, my brother. Figure out who Esau and who Jacob is and each progeny, then you'll know the truth. Take care. Okay, we do know who Esau is. The Bible tells us five times in the order of two or three scriptures that Esau is Edom. Okay, we got it. That's not the topic. That's not the subject that we're going over. And so if you can't help other people and we don't have anything to say other than the 20,000 different buzzwords and the 20,000 different things that we're going to all, you know, use. And, you know, uh, and, and we have no deeper ability to be able to teach and to help others who do not see it, then we're really not doing any good. And until Israel really fully understands their responsibility and duty under the commission in the kingdom, 
how can we even see what's going on? I was driving home the other day. I hate to digress, but I was driving home the other day, and I'm thinking, you know, all of this noise, still, all of this noise, you know, thank God we've got this guy who's willing to fight back, you know, called Donald Trump, all of this noise. And the fact of the matter is the main key issues that are still the prevalent and, you know, dominating issues are not even closely being addressed by anybody in this nation. And that is this ungodly monetary system that has entirely enslaved the whole nation. Every piece of real estate is indebted to them. The whole thing is a sham of the fiat currency. Now, I know we all know this, and probably so does our guest here that's on the chat. But the point is, how are we ever going to get anybody to really clearly see and understand any of this if they don't even have the grasp and the concept within God's word about why he commissioned a people to be the people to bring the creation under the dominion of Christ. You know what I mean, Russell and Rich? Yes, I do know what you mean. These people. What was that, Rich? I said we were called to be servant people. Yeah, and so what's the point of me getting on somewhere and just saying, hey, you know, all the Israelites are the white people. Okay, well, how did that help us at all? If, we, if, it, if that statement is true, which I believe predominantly it is true, I don't know that I could safely subscribe to exactly what he's exactly saying, but the point is, if this is the case, we don't know it. The vast majority of our people do not know what their kingdom responsibility and their kingdom duty is. While we sit here in a nation that we're, you know, supposedly got a guy in there that's going to fight now, they don't even know how to tell him to fight and for what to fight for. Really? Amen. You know what I mean? Yep. And... The real issues that are still plaguing this country, as I say, they just approved $19 billion in relief. My God says that he'll bring a pestilence upon you. He said he'll bring the whirling winds upon you. So we're just going to keep shelling money out and have not recognized the value or the validity and the possibility that God is serious. And he actually is still doing this stuff. But, of course, if Israel doesn't exist and it's just a spiritual Israel, then who cares that there's another $19 billion that's being shelled out for disaster relief for this part of the country or that part of the country? Because, after all, God is not doing it. Is it real yeah, money? He left the call. Yeah, he left the call. And uh, I, I want to go over something for, for you, you gentlemen here. So we, we come in on a chat. We don't have the decency to, to call and become a part of the conversation. So I'm going to go through the, the litany of this chat. And I want you to hear the first thing out of the box at 746 is who is Edom? 
And then as I was talking about the Bible and by, huh, excuse me? Who is what? Who is Edom? That was the first Edom. thing written in the written in the chat window. Okay, so he's he's communicating through the chat window, and the first thing he 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 comes with is who is Edom, and then the next one at seven forty seven. I'm talking about the Bible translations. He refers to the Geneva Septuagint. So I try to draw him into the call by acknowledging he said the Geneva, acknowledging the Septuagint. Okay. And so then he asks at 749, what topic are you talking about? So then I go in through about a five-minute dissertation about how we're arriving at the point that we are about the topic that we're going to discuss. And then the next thing that he says, let's talk about John 844. Okay, 752 p.m., he says, let's talk about John 844. No, I'm not going to talk about John 844. Because, quite frankly, I'm beginning to wonder if you aren't a son of the devil or a son of a devil, the kind of thing that we would call somebody a son of a bitch. Now, I mean this man no disrespect, but I don't want to give him any respect when he can't even respect the fact of what it is that we're trying to do. And, okay, it's too slow for him. He's going to check out. That's fine. That's his prerogative. That's what's called being free. And so then the next, question, the next statement that he makes at 753 is the covenants were made with Israel only. Don't disagree with that. How does it, you know, I mean, that statement can help people. Adam equals Hebrews. Hebrews equals Israel. Israel equals lost sheep. Well, that statement doesn't help anybody either because I don't know where he gets Adam equals Hebrews, um, you know, Eber is Abraham's father, and that's how they became known to be Hebrewites. And since the H is silent, it would be an Hebrewite, not a Hebrew, as far as the way many people even think of that word and that designation. So it really doesn't help. It doesn't do anything. So then he asks if I believe in Judeo-Christianity, and then says, do you? Uh, which meant, must have been that he was going to type it again. And so I said, no. That's when you heard me cut in and just respond. No, I don't. And so then I, I tried to clarify a couple things. So then he types back and says, I have no issue with you, sir. Um, and then at, uh, at 8.02, I believe the white race is Israel of the Testaments. And uh, then he goes on uh, at 8.03 and says, our race are the civilization builders, USA, Europe, Canada, New Zealand, OZ, SA, South Africa, I guess, uh, a blessing to all nations. All white nations have been flooded with, with non-Christians and won't end well for us. Okay, well then, why won't it end well for us? Now, let's just stop with that statement right there. If it won't end well for us, why won't it end well Yahweh called David the apple of his eye is his next text at 812. Uh, we exist. Good job, my brother. Uh, figure out who Esau and who Jacob is in each progeny, then you'll know the truth. Okay, well, I do. I already do know that. And so he checks out of the, checks out of the conversation. And um, I don't believe that this individual is any more capable of carrying on a conversation 
and taking something to its ultimate end and being able to dissect and break things down. I think he's got the talking points. I think he has the Israelite identity talking points. Am I making sense, you guys? Oh, yeah. yeah. I've heard millions of them. And so, so what value did I get from this, this participant? And again, if he listens to the rest of this at some point in the future, I don't mean him any, you know, condescension. I do, however, have a lot to say about his method and so forth because it's not helpful and it's not productive. And why should I waste my time and draw my eyes and attention away to a chat window that's doing nothing but parroting talking points? I can go to any talk. Go ahead. Was what he said provocative? Yes or no? Well, not not to me, but I I think I get where you're going with it is, is... is he's he's the you know epitome of the shock and awe or the or the you know the as I say talking points is that what you mean? Well, no, I meant okay. these provocateurs love to provocate. Yeah, provocate. <laughs> <laughs> they want they want to. They want to provoke provoke me into something or whatever, and so you're wondering whether. Yeah. You're... And no, you know, and there's nothing in in the state. Go ahead. Well, these guys are late to the party. Uh, we're looking for a solution. We're not looking for ten thousand more bad things we need to know about. We already know it's bad. Now, how do we right. fix it? So if you're looking for one of those, uh, what are they, uh, shortwave shows, you get on there and you constantly just bemoan and groan and, oh, my gosh, for two and a half, three hours, this is not the place for you. Because I, I promise you, we know things are bad. Amen. So I, I mean, you know, that's just it. And if we don't get our people, you know, look, think of Gideon. Once Gideon had been visited by the angel, it was Gideon's responsibility to take those men and go do what God said without question or pause. <clears throat> and I have to ask, do I want to grab Rich and Russell and whatever other men or do I want to grab guys like this who won't sit still and learn something? He may know everything that I already know and ten times more. But I believe there's a good chance when you open up the word you will learn something. So I don't expect that you're going to learn something from me, but the fact that we open this word up, I expect we all can learn. And so I don't need somebody sitting here chatting with me on stuff 
that is not helping us to dig into the word. That's my whole point. It does me no good. It does you guys no good. Because as I say, whatever I say, nobody should ever take it for any validity whatsoever. But by God, if I'm reading out of the word of God and I'm bringing us to the word of God and I'm you know, hopefully connecting the circle, then by God, we've learned something. And hopefully there's something for somebody who knows 10 times more than me to learn from a scripture that maybe he'd forgotten about or that I inspired a new thought in him to dig deeper on something else. Because every time I listen to a message from somebody, you know, whether it was a Pastor Peter's message or a Sheldon Emery message or even Rich McClone's uh, different messages that he did, every time I listen to something, somebody inspired me to another thought about something else. It, it, it seems like it, it always works that way for me. It will make me think of something else. It will caused some other thought in my head that drew me into something else or made me think of another message or another title or another topic. And so I need this guy to be that kind of a person. And and another thing, this, this Bible study we're in, I could see a black man sitting down listening to this and saying amen. Amen. I mean, we're I not... I can hear... Uh, I, go ahead. Well, I was just going to say, we're not here to alienate. We're here to learn the truth. And the truth of the matter is, God created blacks, Orientals, Mexicans, and all the rest of them. And they must have had a purpose or he wouldn't have created them. And he said, you treat them kind because you were a stranger once in a foreign land. And so there you go. Amen. I mean, if that isn't it in an encapsulation nutshell, in other words, it doesn't matter. In fact, I'll go right out now and say it does not matter that this man knows that he is an Israelite. It does not matter one whit. And I will be able to prove it to him on the day that he stands before his creator. Because if he is not able to be able to tell Christ what he did and what he was doing and what he was about in trying to further the kingdom of Christ, then I don't care whether he has Abraham to his father and can trace him all the way back. Because Christ told me, God God in the flesh, he says, God can raise up stones to Abraham. Do not think that because you are of Abraham's seed, and I already know that Esau is of Abraham's seed, and I are of Jacob's seed, and I already know that Ishmael is of Abraham's seed, and that Jacob and Esau are of Abraham's seed. Go, Rich. Well, it's Russell. It's what good would it do, Rich, to have the whole Bible memorized and not know how to apply one single scripture? It's in vain. It is. And we're we're trying to learn how to apply it. 
faith without works is dead. And likewise, being an, is, being an Israelite without works is also dead. Doubly over. So step one is you got to know who you are. Step two is you got to learn. How do you know you, you are what you think you are? What Prove it. And that's kind of what I think he's been doing in this series is proof texting and and putting together who are we, where did we come from, what are we? Well, well, and even more to the more to the point, this was something I thought about today. More to the point is is in an era of understanding fake news, isn't it high time that we understand fake church? Absolutely. Fake church humanity. Mm-hmm. You know? Take it a step and, further. And so, fake gospels. Yeah, fake gospels. I mean, you know, well, it's the believe-only gospel. Like I said in one of those messages, what, we got the believe-only gospel, the faith-only gospel, uh, fake it till you make it gospel, the breathe-only till you die gospel. I, I mean... What is it? I mean, that's one of Esther's lamentations last week to me. It's like, if we don't know what we believe, if we actually can't go to the Bible and say, we believe what we believe because this is why, this is what it says and this is why we believe it, then what is our faith? And that's essentially what he was, he was, you know, he was lamenting. And so you find yourself I find myself, Pastor Peter's one of the last things that he said was don't forget the youth. And so when I hear somebody like Esser lamenting about the things that he is experiencing, or I find Isaac bringing up the topic about something that he's listening to or that he's experiencing as he's trying to fellowship with people and trying to go into a church and, and, and have that you know, structure and so forth or, or, you know, whatever, then I want to be able to help that youth get through the, the landmine and bring them out of that successfully if that's their choice eventually. And I don't want him languishing in it and then losing his faith or casting his faith off as of, of lesser importance or anything else I want to strengthen him in that. I want him to continue to go forth in the strength of what he believes in and have the tools and the equipment to be able to express it properly and to defeat that which is the fake religion and the fake doctrine. And as far as I can tell, this is another fake doctrine, and that is that there is no Israel God changed in the New Testament, and Israel no longer existed. He does not deal with them, and the distinction is Jew and Gentile only. And if you're not a Jew, then you're a Gentile, so all of us are lumped in as a Gentile without even knowing and understanding the actual term Gentile to begin with. I wonder if this guy here, even for all he knows of the Israel uh, biblical identity of biblical Israel, I wonder if he can actually tell me some things that would be beneficial and helpful in terms of 
trying to educate and train the youth of today other than just the 20,000 talking points of the Israel identity. So I, I've, I've digressed on this now for 15 or 20 minutes here. I'm sure I've beat it up enough. And uh, um, whether he comes back or decides to come back or receives the love of the truth in, in this diversion, I don't know. But um, I will go back to Daniel chapter 7. I was in verse 27, which is where I was cross-referenced to. And then we were cross-referenced um, to uh, verse 14 and verses 18 and 22. And so this is where I, my notes were. I just failed to connect the Daniel 7:27 to these part of the notes. I apologize for the delay I had in that. But we're there now. Daniel 14, there was given to him dominion and glory and a kingdom, and all people, nations, and languages should serve him. His dominion is an everlasting dominion. If it's an everlasting dominion, then when did his dominion end? And if it's his dominion, when are we going to start acting like it's his dominion? If we are serving under his dominion, what kind of a king wants you to serve under him and violate his laws with, you know, repetitive? I don't get it. Which shall not pass away, and his kingdom that which shall not be destroyed. Dropping down to verse 18. But the saints of the Most High. I've got another footnote there at the saints. And the footnote there at uh, number, uh, verse 18, at the saints, leads me to verses 22 and 27. Isaiah 60, 12 and four, to 14. 2 Timothy 2.11, Revelation 2.26, and it goes on and on and on. And I'm going to keep pounding this home for the entire list of scriptures that we gave, and I pray that it will actually be beneficial to somebody who will finally get it and say, this is a bunch of deception that we've been given about there is no Israel in the New Testament. Everywhere we go and every scripture that we actually analyze and follow the cross-references, we're led back to the Old Testament and we are led to the very people. Who are the saints of the Most High? Well, we need to find out who the saints of the Most High are. We're going to need to go through every one of those six or seven, eight verses that I just given that get cross-referenced this. And it says, the saints of the Most High shall take the kingdom and possess the kingdom forever, forever, even forever and ever. Now, I just ask you, maybe Daniel didn't think that we would get it. So he had to say the kingdom forever. And not just forever, he said even forever and ever. So either this Bible is an entire lie and Daniel the prophet is a liar because we don't have the kingdom and we don't possess the kingdom right now because Israel doesn't exist, ladies and gentlemen. It's spiritual. Don't you get it? That's what they ask us to believe. 
said to go to verse 22, verse 22, until the Ancient of Days came and judgment was given to the saints of the Most High, and the time came that the saints possessed the kingdom. What was the judgment that was going to come to the saints? The judgment, the saints were the, were the tribes of Israel. And what was the judgment that was going to come on, that, on the tribes of Israel? God was going to bring the judgment upon them, wasn't he? He'd already divorced them, divorced them, but he had to bring the judgment upon them, according to Daniel. But hey, we shouldn't bother with Daniel. Daniel's Old Testament, man. Where am I going wrong, Rich? Got to have a foundation. We were talking about that last week. Amen. And the time came that the saints possessed the kingdom. And what did they ask him in Acts chapter 1, verse 6? Let me flip back there. Somebody's got a finger in it? Go for it. I'm there now. When they therefore were come together, they asked of him, saying, Lord, wilt thou at this time restore again the kingdom to Israel? Daniel said, and the time came that the saints possessed the kingdom. Not only did these Israelites not understand that they were being given the possession of the kingdom by the death, burial, and resurrection of Christ, restoring once again the kingdom to Israel because God had redeemed them and therefore Israel came back under the dominion and the kingdom of God of Jacob Israel. We can't even read Acts chapter 1 and verse 6 without understanding the Old Testament and without being drawn right back into the Old Testament. Staying in verse 27 of Daniel, which we were cross-referenced to. In verse 27, I am cross-referenced to chapter 2, 44, and excuse me, yeah, and Luke 1.33, John 12.34, Revelation 11.15, and Isaiah 60.12. And verse 18 crosses us to verse 22 and verse 27, but also to Isaiah 60, 12-14, 2 Timothy 2.11-12, and Revelation 2.26 and 7, 3 and 21, and 20, verse 4. So I'm not going to take the time to just go into all of those, but I feel like we've done enough to just show how we are drawn back into the Old Testament just by what I relayed to us in the first book of the Acts of the Apostles at chapter 1, verse 6, so that we can get our minds around the idea that the church has been peddling a deception, that there is no Israel, Israel no longer exists, God is dealing with all of you Gentiles as, as spiritual Israelites. There's no longer Jew nor Greek, bond nor free. We're all one in Christ Jesus. But who 
is all one in Christ Jesus. When I, you know, I've decided my, my, what do I want to call this? I had a thought for it at one time. Remember how I say, this is my, this is my foundation. This is my, my principle, I guess. Whether doctrines or parables or allegories, visions, prophecies, or metaphors, I've got to add one more thing to that. Whether scripture, doctrines, parables, allegories, visions, prophecies, or metaphors, we must remember we cannot be misled to interpret them contrary to the laws of God or contrary to the biblical historical record. So I cannot take one scripture in this book either and use it contrary to the entire biblical record. Can I? Amen. Uh, you could try. Well, yeah. yeah, I was just going to say, well, yes, I can. Of course I can. The church world has showed us that we can. I don't mean that kind of prophet. Yeah, I know what you mean. I mean prophet and, to the Lord. Amen. Actually, to the commission. Why you were created. Exactly. And that one scripture, when he says to them, when they came together, they asked of him saying, Lord, wilt thou at this time restore? That word restore alone should wake up the Christian because you can't restore something if there's no purpose for it. If there is no longer any purpose with Israel, Biblical Israel, if there's no longer any purpose, there is no longer, there is no reason to restore anything. But Christ did not say, no, you don't understand. You're all spiritual Israelites now. He didn't say that at all. In fact, he didn't even answer their question, if you're honest with the scripture. Because quite frankly, if you didn't understand and you didn't understand Daniel, which we just read, then you must not have been paying attention, just like you know Christ said to them. He says, if you won't believe the, the prophets and the works, then you're going to die in your sins. That's a paraphrase, of course. <clears throat> Drawing a couple things together. So that's how far Jeremiah and I got. And it was Acts chapter 1, verse 6. And we had, let's see. I'll just recap them. We had, from the New American Standard, we had cross-references to Matthew seventeen eleven, Mark nine twelve. We did not feel that those were valuable at all. I didn't discuss them tonight. I did take us to the New American cross-reference of Luke seventeen twenty and Luke nineteen eleven. And the important things that I gleaned from those is that Christ said the kingdom of God does not come with observation. You are not going to say, hey, there it is over there. Oh, no, it's over there. Oh, it's in the church over here. He says it doesn't come with observation. And in 1911, they thought it was going to immediately appear, just as they did here in the book of Acts. 
They thought it was something that was immediately going to appear. And he'd already told them, it isn't that way. And then I was cross-referenced in my Holman's translation, the Daniel 7.27 to Isaiah 1.26 and Amos 9.11. And we didn't even get to those scriptures, Isaiah 1.26 and Amos 9.11. And then in verse 27 alone of Daniel 7, we were cross-referenced to verse 14 in Daniel 7, verse 18 and 22 in Daniel 7. And we were further crossed to from verse 27 to uh, Daniel 2.44, Luke 1.33, John 12.34, Revelation 11.15, and Isaiah 60.12-14. And verse 18 itself in Daniel 7 crosses to verse 22 and 7, but also to Isaiah 60, 12 and 14, and 2 Timothy 2.11-12, Revelation 2, 26 and 7, and Revelation 3, 21, and Revelation 20, verse 4. So there, I've recapped and recapsulated right here in this message before it concludes here. All of this that just came out of Acts chapter 1, verse 6. That, to me, is powerful. And that, to me, is what our people are missing. We do not understand, just as I started the, this, this fellowship with, I am just struck by how little everybody's out here talking about, oh, we finally have a president who will fight, who will stand up for us. And I'm sitting there going, you know, he hasn't even begun to fight for the things that this nation actually really needs. And the one thing that this nation needs is to repent. And the second thing it needs to do is understand its kingdom duty and responsibility to be a light unto the world in the righteousness of Christ. And you can't get that, and you can't be that when we violate his law and his commandments, statutes, and judgments on a daily basis because the church world has made that deception also. I don't know why you guys put up with me, frankly. Well, we're hoping we might learn something, Douglas. Thank you, Russell. I'll tell you, I learned something, and I am grateful for what I learned. And if there's any chance of being able to pass that on to somebody else, I just pray that it will be my whole duty, you know, for a that's day good. or an hour or a week. That's pretty profound scripture that, that it's not something you observe. I had never contemplated that before. But that's a good one. Funny scripture yeah. I was talking about. Those that have eyes to see and ears to hear. Mm-hmm. Here's the scripture because you have to be able to see it. And, and oh, guys, I'm gonna. It's that time. 
it's that time of hour, and and I know Russell, you've been heavy laden, and um, yeah. I'd like to close with some prayer here. Heavenly Father, I pray for your relieving the burden on Russell's shoulders, Father. I know he's cast his cares under you. He knows how to do that. He's done it. He knows that that's the thing he's got to do. But I sense it in his voice, and I sense it in his in his heart. And so, Lord, just give him that peace this evening and the rest that he needs to tackle everything that is left on his plate. So, Father, that's my prayer for this evening. And I continue to pray for our nation. I continue to pray for our leaders. Would to God that they could come to the truth and not just stand and fight, but actually stand and fight for righteousness in this land, at least, of America so that we can be that beacon and that light shining to the world. And I know this might be a good start, Father, or it's at least something that we haven't seen. But again, $19 billion in relief without acknowledging that you said you'd bring a whirlwind upon us. You said you'd bring a pestilence upon us. You even said that you would bring the aliens amongst us. Apparently, today in America, your people don't believe their Bible and they don't believe your word. But let's just shell out another $19 billion because after all, we've got a money pot. It's called a banker. And as Isaac referenced a couple weeks back, I thought about that again here the other day too, just looking at the notes that I took from, from that night. How he mentioned that book that he had been been uh, you know reading about. And I think that might have what got me started, Father, is that is this ungodly monetary system in this country has just destroyed us. It takes away all semblance of, I think Charles Wiseman said it best, anywhere where the the currency is debauched, the society declines. And ever since our, our currency has been debauched, we've been in a rapid decline, a hundred year decline. So Father, we are those who hear your voice. We are those, as Brother Rich said, with eyes to see and ears to hear. And we're going to keep reaching into your word. And the day that you send an angelic host or an angelic being to one of us that says, go and do this, like I said, I would much rather have Rich and Russell going with me than I would this guy that entered the chat tonight to tell me 20,000 little chat points. So, Father, again, I know we're going to be accountable and we're supposed to be accountable for every idle word. Father, the words I spoke to that man, if he should ever come back and listen to the message, I didn't speak because I meant for them to be harmful, but I meant for them to shake him up and I meant for them to mean something to him. So I pray, Father, that if he is one of yours and he truly does believe and he truly does desire and seek after you, touch his heart, bring him back. He might be able to learn something as we dive into your word. And I thank you, Father, for the opportunity you've given me and for those that want to share with me 
I thank you for them, for the opportunity. In Jesus' name, amen. 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 I'd like you to bless those people that are standing tall against the child sacrifice in this land. They're doing all they can to change their lives. Lord God, protect them and deliver them from evil. In Jesus' name, amen. 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 All right. Well, I appreciate it. Isaac did join us. He was on mute, so... uh, He's uh, he's been listening tentatively, I'm sure. And uh, but Russell, we'll let you get going. And uh, good night. Be well, brother. Be well. All right. Yeah. Good night. Okay. Thank you. Good night. Thank you all. Good night. Good night, Rich. Good night. Oh.